0: You're listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel in Oakville, Ontario. For more information, please visit our website at harvestoakville.ca. Church, I want to begin our time today in God's Word. But before I do that, I want to pray and pray particularly for a couple of things. Obviously, our time in the Word, which will happen in just a few moments, but then also specifically a crisis that has hit our neighbor to the south, and particularly praying for the city of Houston and what God. Can do through such great loss. Across three services, we believe firmly in the power of prayer, and 3,000 people seeking the Lord for God to do a great thing. Well, we just need to pray. So, can I pray as we begin together? God, this world is so big and so confusing at so many times. For the residents of Houston, they did not wake up thinking that they were going to lose everything. So many, Lord, losing family members, houses, possessions. So many have quite literally lost it all. And the pain and the hurt and the devastation is great. And the city that estimates it will take a decade to restore what has been lost. And yet, with eyes of faith, Lord, we look at difficult situations like these. And we say, but there's a great opportunity for the gospel. Lord, where the church has historically run towards crises, the world has run away from. Lord, we pray that the same would happen here again. We pray, Lord, for the churches in Houston. God, that you would raise up men and women who would be bold in their witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. That when families around them have lost so much that the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ would reach their hearts in ways that they couldn't have seen even before. Surrounded by the possessions and the things of this world that can so easily be lost, Lord, I pray that now they hear. And I pray, God, that now we would hear as a result of these prayers and a result of the efforts of the churches in Houston, and the churches in the United States, and the churches even across the world, including Canada, God, as a result of their efforts, we would hear of lives being saved. And what we don't mean by that is just lives being physically saved, although we pray for that, Lord. We mean lives saved eternally unto Jesus Christ as a result of great crisis. But we don't know what to pray for. We don't know what to do. But we ask the living God, the omnipotent one, that he would please move for the sake of his great name for that city. And God, now for us, who woke up this morning with rain on our roofs and we're not worried about losing everything, who have assembled here in this room, God, I pray that you would now tune our hearts to hear from you. I pray, God, that you would do a miraculous work as your word is opened. We pray, Lord, that you would shine the flashlight of those words upon our hearts that we might see and hear and understand and then, God, be changed for your glory. We cannot do this, so we look to you, the omnipotent God, to do this also. Please lead us, Lord. Please lead us in your word for your great glory and our great joy. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Loved ones, if you've got a copy of God's Word, would you join me in First Chronicles? First Chronicles? Uh, that's kind of a hard book to find. First Second Kings, First, Second Chronicles. You know that mass that's, you know, just before psalms. OK? So keep looking for that. Uh, what we're going to do is, uh, while you're turning there, is I'm going to give you a little bit of a backstory, uh, the story that takes place, immediately, the words we're about to read, immediately after the Ark of the Covenant has arrived into Jerusalem for the very first time ever. Remember the Ark of the Covenant? It was built 500 years previous. This is a picture of it. Uh, it's a, an acacia box, acacia wood, overlain with gold. It has these, these cherubim angelic figures crafted out of gold on the top of them. And they were crafted in the wilderness just immediately after the Israelites have left the land of Egypt. And God gave them specific instructions as to how to build this box. Now this, this, this Ark became the holiest object in ancient Israel. And it was holy not only for what it contained, because it contained some specific and important things. It had Aaron's staff inside of it. It had the 10 Commandments inside of it. It had a sampling of manna inside of it. It was holy for what it contained, but it was more importantly, it was holy for what it represented. It was an earthly representation of the throne of God. It represents the presence of God. And so now, in 1 Chronicles 16, David is rejoicing as the presence of God is entering the city of Jerusalem for the very first time. Let's pick the story up in chapter 16, back up in verse one. And they brought in the ark of God and they set it inside the tent that David had pitched for it, and they offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And when David had finished offering the burnt offerings and the peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord and distributed to all Israel, both men and women, to each a loaf of bread, a portion of meat, and a cake of raisins. What's happening here in verse one to three? This is a scene of a festival. Everyone in Israel gets blessed. The Ark has arrived, the presence of God, the symbolic presence of God has arrived in the city of Jerusalem, and so everyone's rejoicing. It's a big party. Now verse four, then he appointed some of the Levites as ministers before the ark of the Lord to invoke, to thank, and to praise the Lord, the God of Israel. Asaph was the chief, and a second to him were, well, a bunch of names, and you can read them. They're hard to pronounce. Uh, At the end, uh, they were to play harps and cymbals. Asaph was to sound the cymbals. And Benaiah and Jehazael. verse six, the priests were to blow the trumpets regularly before the ark of the covenant of God. What's happening here? The priests now are appointed roles. You, really hard name to pronounce, you're going to clash the cymbals. You, really hard name to pronounce, you're going to pound the drums. You, you're going to blow the trumpets. The priests are given rolls. And now we read in verse 7 Then on that day, David first appointed that thanksgiving be sung to the Lord by Asaph and his brothers. This is a big day. This is like a big day in the nation of Israel, in particular for the city of Jerusalem. And then they sing a song. Now, what was that song? We don't have to wish we were a fly on the wall. Oh, I wish I knew what that song was. The song is recorded right for us, beginning in verse 8. David's Song of Thanks, the ESV titles it. Uh, Let's read that text now. Oh, give thanks. This is our text for today. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him. Sing praises to him. Tell of all his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his presence continually. Remember the wondrous works that he has done, his miracles, and the judgments he uttered. O offspring of Israel, his servant, children of Jacob, his chosen ones. Now, these six verses that we have just read, they're the opening portion to the bigger psalm. And these actually, these six verses are picked up again in Psalm 105. The nation of Israel loves them so much, they use them again. It's a very popular uh, piece. But what they are, they're really words of assent. That's how we classify them. They're words of ascent. What's a word of ascent? A word of ascent is, come with me. You have got to see this. Anybody ever said that to you? Oh, you have got to see that. That's a word of ascent. And David is saying, you have got to see this. You won't believe it. you got to see this. Come, seek the Lord with me. Come, take a look at him. Come into his presence. Seek him with me. You will not believe it unless you see it with your own eyes. Song of ascent. Come, seek the Lord. And David's words to his people, I pray, are David's words to us today. That God would be speaking to all of us, that we would receive the truth that we need to seek the Lord. It's the title of today's message, and it's really the main point of what God's word has in front of us today. Seek the Lord, loved ones. Now, it's interesting Is that if you know this story, this is not the first time that they have tried to get the Ark into Jerusalem. Do you remember this? Way back in chapter 13, they they tried to do it. They got the wrong guys in the wrong way to carry the Ark of the Covenant. The guys that God said, do not let them carry the Ark. They got those guys. And, and if you remember the story, some guy by the name of Uzzah reaches up as the, as the ark gets destabilized and he reaches up to steady the ark and, and the Lord strikes him dead. Not because he touched the box, but because he was trivializing the Lord. He's, this is, this is just, we're just moving furniture here. In 1 Chronicles 15, David comes back, he revisits this, and he, now he's speaking to the Levites, the right guys. And he says this, because you did not carry it for the first time, the Lord our God broke out against us because we did not seek him according to the rule. Because you didn't carry it, the Lord broke out against us because we didn't seek him in the way that he wants to be sought. We didn't look for God in the way that he wants us to look for him. But they did it right this time in chapter 16. They did it the right way. They sought the Lord the right way. So what this tells us right away, loved ones, is that there's a right way to seek the Lord and there's a wrong way to seek the Lord. Have you ever been in a place like that where someone has said to you, you know, that's a difficult crisis. That's a difficult situation you're going through. That's a hard trial. You're struggling in your own sin. You're struggling in your family. You're struggling at work. You're struggling in your life. And you need to seek the Lord, brother. You need to seek the Lord, sister. Now you should be stepping back and saying, wait, 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 I don't want to do it wrong. I don't want to be like some guy who touches a box. And I want to do this right. How do you seek the Lord right? What's the right way? Well, thankfully, David gives us the right way to seek the Lord. In his song, in the beginning part, as he says, come with me, come with me, he tells us the steps we need to take to seek the Lord in the right way. And then the steps we need to take today, loved ones. How do we seek the Lord? We need to seek the Lord first. I want you to see this by setting your mouth to seek him. Set your mouth to seek him. Resolve that you will seek the Lord with your mouth. Look at verse 8 once again. Let me read the text for us. And as I read them, I want you to count in your head how many commands there are. Okay, you do that? Okay, how many times t- that, that David's saying, you need to do this, do this, do this? Okay, uh, I'm going to read verse 8 and 9. See, see how many there are. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him. Sing praises to him. Tell of all his wondrous works. How many did you come up with? How many there? If you count, sing twice. Six. Six. There are six there. How many of those six, give thanks, call, make known, sing, sing, and tell, involve your mouth? All of them. All of them include the ways that we communicate. One of the very real ways that we can seek the Lord is by being, listen, obedient with how we use Our mouths. Let's unpack these for a bit here. Uh, First, he says, oh, give thanks. This is how we seek the Lord. Set your mouth to seek him. Oh, give thanks. Give thanks to the Lord. Thank him. Thank him for the good, for the excellent, for the difficulties, for the trials even. Thank the Lord. The Lord loves to hear thanks from grateful children, just like you love to hear thanks from your children. I'm sure when you hear thanks, you almost want to drop. What, what? Did you, did you just say thank you? Who taught you that word? In the same way we love to hear it as parents, the Lord loves to hear it from his grateful children too. Give thanks in all circumstances, Paul says, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. There's so much to be thankful for. You know what I did this week? I I, I was at my desk and I decided, you know, I'm going to write out a list, uh, just a a quick list of the things that I'm thankful for. I came up with a a few. Some are hugely important, some are less so important, and some are just trivial things. And I thought I'd share them with you. I wrote the list down. Let me share you the the hugely important ones first. Uh, Here's some things to be thankful for. If you feel prompted in your heart to say, yeah, me too, you go right ahead. Uh, Check these out. Uh, Here's what I'm thankful for I'm thankful for the the fact that God loves me Craig I'm thankful that all of my sins have been paid for completely in Christ Jesus every single one of them past present and future paid for at the cross of Christ I'm thankful that I don't have to earn God's love not one bit I'm thankful that God has opened my eyes to see Him more clearly. I'm thankful that God has given me the gift of faith to believe in Him and to cling to Him. I'm thankful that I've been set free from the penalty of my sin. I'm thankful that I've been adopted as one of His sons. I'm thankful that now in Christ I can live in obedience and wisdom. I'm thankful that now in Christ I have full, unbelievable access to the Father. I'm thankful that now the Holy Spirit dwells within me and that the Holy Spirit gifts me for service. I'm thankful that I will never, ever, ever, ever have to fear death I'm thankful that this life right now is just a bus ride to the real life I'm thankful that someday I will stand face to face with Jesus and then I'm gonna really really live I'm thankful for these things I wrote those down that's my huge category but then I went to other categories that I really really like as well maybe you want to do this too it's a fun exercise I wrote down things I'm also thankful for I'm thankful for my family in a huge way I'm thankful for my wife's love for me I'm thankful for my wife's hands. I find them very pretty. I'm thankful for my kids' eyes that I can't stop looking in. I'm thankful for you, my church. I'm thankful for the way that you lean into the teaching of God's word. I'm thankful for the way that you bring your Bibles every week. I'm thankful for the way that you listen even when the words are hard to hear, but you know you need to hear them because they come from a God who loves you. I'm thankful for the way that you will stop a discouraged pastor in the hallway, even though you don't know he's discouraged, and you will say a word of encouragement to him. I'm thankful for you guys. I'm thankful for God's discipline in my life in keeping me low. I'm thankful for the occasional humiliation. I'm thankful for my house that isn't flooded, even though it's filled with appliances that are glitchy. I'm thankful for sleepless nights. I'm thankful for soft couches and a warm bed. I'm thankful for laughter. And then there's other things, the random things I'm thankful for too. I'm thankful for fireplaces. Anybody? I'm thankful for the smell of cutting wood. I'm thankful for books. I'm thankful for morning sunlight. I'm thankful for mint and dogs and ice in my drink. I'm thankful for coffee. I'm thankful for the fact that a lion can take a hyena. I'm thankful for a good laugh just when we need it. I'm thankful for bread breaking. I'm thankful for the fact that even though I can't understand most of it, I like art, and even though I can't play a a note, I love music. I'm thankful for my country, Canada, with all of its faults and all of its freedoms. I'm thankful to God for these things. Maybe you want to do a list like that, too. But you say, wait, wait, wait. But it's hard for me right now. You don't understand. It's hard for me right now. Well, maybe that's where the second one comes in. Give thanks, but call. Call upon his name, the text says. The word here carries the idea of volume. It's of raising the voice. It's of pleading with God. God, do you hear me? God, do you see the situation I'm in? God, do you see the heartache and the pain and the trial? Do you see me? Just in the same way that God loves to hear his children call out to him in thanks. He loves to hear them call out to him in neediness for him in dependence upon him. God, I can't do this. God, I need you, I need you, I need you. Ask, he says, and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. The Lord loves to hear it when you pray to him. Give thanks, call. How about this one? Make known, declaring. That means declaring. To whom do you make known his deeds? Declaring, make known his deeds among the peoples. Who do you tell? Who are you? the peoples in your life? The Lord loves to hear it when you thank him, when you pray to him, when you share him. This is seeking the kingdom. This is making disciples. Give thanks, call, make known, sing. This is said twice, sing. Sing it out, man, sing it. What are you singing in your car? What are you singing at work? What are you singing in your head when you're cleaning stuff up? You got a good voice? I don't have a good voice. God doesn't care. The guy next to me cares, but God doesn't care. (laughs) God, God reads the heart. Sing it, man. Sing it with all you got. Sing it. The Lord says, oh, sing to him a new song, for he has done marvelous things. And then this last one, tell, tell, speak it out loud again. The Lord loves to hear it when you tell of all his wondrous works. Tell of what God has done in your life. Tell of how he's worked and shaped in your life. You know, we've got a great opportunity coming up at the end of September for you to stand up and tell. Are you telling people? Well, you've got a great opportunity as you can stand up and get baptized. This is what God has done in my life. I'm going to tell the people of all his wondrous works. I'm going to declare it. And here's a great verse for baptism. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare, I will declare your greatness. Here they are. Give thanks, call, make known, sing. And tell. Set your mouth to seek him, and you notice that some of those are up, and some of those are out, right? Like 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 calling out to God, uh, 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 crying out to God, of uh, giving thanks to God, uh, of singing to God, of singing to God. And, but then there's some that are going out, uh, make known and tell. There's ways to be obedient with our mouth that God calls us. You need to be obedient. If you want to seek me, you've got to set your mouth to seek me. You've got to be using your mouth to crying out to me, making known, giving thanks. Use your mouth. These essentially boil down to one action. Be obedient with your mouth. Be obedient with it. But what if I don't want to? What if I don't want to do that today? What if I don't want to give thanks? What if I don't want to pray today? What if I don't want to tell people about Jesus today? What if what if what if I don't want to sing in church today? You know, I'll be honest with you. My sad default on so many days is anything less than this. In fact, here's here's what I'm usually resorting to instead of giving thanks. I'm grumbling. Look at all you've given me, Lord. And I want more. Instead of calling out to the Lord in prayer, I'm I'm dialing him up and complaining about things that are going on in my life. Instead of making him known, I'm just. Instead of singing, I'm 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 silent. Maybe I'll put my arms across my chest. And instead of telling of all His wondrous works, I'm I'm just chatting with you. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna talk what's going on in my life and what God's done. I'm just gonna chat. How's the weather? What's the day like? What are you watching on TV? That's my sad default on so many days. That's the place that I get in on so many days. In so many days, I don't want to seek the Lord with my mouth. On so many days, I don't even want to, I don't want to be obedient in this. You know, being honest, not only do I not seek the Lord with my mouth, there's so many days that I don't want to seek him with my mouth. Do you get in places like that too? You look at your mouth and you say, okay, what's coming out of my mouth? That's the list. But I, Maybe I got one of those. But I want to seek him. I think you get this, though, that the problem isn't a mouth problem. It isn't that you have to wear some kind of brace on your mouth to help you be obedient. The problem is, is not a mouth problem, it's a heart problem. This isn't broken, this is. David understands this also. He gets it. And in fact, I think under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he fronts the mouthpiece so that we can see where we're falling short and then he leads us to the place that we need to go. The second place that we need to go. Look at verse 10. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. Incidentally, Jesus understands that it's not the mouth that's at fault it's the heart he says out of the overflow of the heart the mouth speaks it's the heart like the motor in the back of a boat the mouth goes where the heart steers it the mouth goes where the heart steers it and david realizes this and he says listen it's not it's not enough for you to set your mouth to seek him you need to set your heart to seek him and this is the second thing i want to show you today is you need to set your heart to seek him. If the mouth isn't working, if my mouth isn't obedient, I need to move the heart. I need to move the heart in the direction where out of its abundance and out of its overflow will come obedience. If my heart's not right, obedience is not gonna follow in my life. I'll just be walking through with with just motions. But God wants the heart, and God wants the results of the heart in a life of obedience. So I need to set my heart to seek Him. God's, uh, David says this glory, glory in His holy name. Glory, that word, that, that's the word, the root word of which we'll get hallelujah. Hallelujah means let us glory in God, let us glorify God. And so David says, glory, hallel, go, go, glory in His holy name. That word glory means to, 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 to bask in, to, uh, to, to, to shine in, to boast in, to declare in. It means to open up the door on a winter day, step outside in the brilliant light and go, ah, spring is coming. Glory in his holy name. Then he says, let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Now that's a huge, huge important statement. I want you to see there that the text shows us that joy is found in seeking God. Joy, not happiness. Joy, permanent fixed joy, not up and down happiness. Happiness, the word happiness comes from what happens to us in our lives. Happiness and happens are related to each other. Have You ever seen that before? No, I haven't seen that before. They relate to each What do I mean? Okay, picture your life as a line, okay? Uh, uh, your life as a line. You get up in the morning, and, and, and you forgot to sit the coffee maker. Ah, that's going to cost me five minutes. And then you get to work, and traffic's bad. You get to work, or, or you're packing the kids away, and things are just not going well today. And you know, and you, you forgot to eat your lunch, and then you got home at night, and you're just grouchy, and the dinner was not great, and, and the kids were not great, and it's just the, everything's, and then to top it all off, the coffee maker for the next morning broke. Okay? So now you're like, ah. Oh. So what happens in my life is that in that day, the happenings of my life, the happenstance of my life, drives my happiness down, 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 down. And then maybe the next day comes, and you wake up, and you got, you got a new coffee, a coffee's great? Yeah kids are great, yay. Uh, get in the car, yay. Everything's great. And then I went to lunch and I got a burrito for lunch. I mean, a burrito. Awesome. I mean, we're going vertical now. This is a great day. Happiness is a great, I'm, man, my heart is huge today. This is great. Happiness, you see, rises and falls based upon the circumstances and conditions that are happening in our lives. That's not joy, though. Don't we have a natural tendency in our heart, though? to evaluate God's blessing and God's opinion of his love for us based on our circumstances. If it's an up day, we think God's great. If it's a down day, we think God's not great. Or if it's a down day, we think maybe God doesn't love us. Even more dangerous. But the thing that David shoots our heart for is joy. The ultimate measure of God's love for us is not our health It's not our wealth, it's not our prosperity, it's the cross. Joy fixes its heart on the cross. Paul says this in in Romans, God showed his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God shows his love to us today in the fact that Christ died for us in the past. God shows his love at the cross now, here's the truth for us, is that, is that there's a difference, a staunch difference that, that we need to come away from in, in seeking joy, not happiness of our day to day. There's a difference, you can think of it this way, uh, the difference between joy and happiness. Happiness is burrito dependent. My heart rises and falls based on circumstances, people, or possessions. Good day, yay. Bad day, no. Happiness, up and down, up and down, up and down. Joy, though, is cross-dependent and because the cross never no one goes back in history and undoes the cross that's a fixed event in history where god shows his love to us in that christ died for us now 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 my heart is fixed to the glory of jesus and his sacrifice for me that i might live that's the difference between joy and happiness and this is what god wants for us this is what david calls them to so here's where maturity kicks in here's where maturity kicks in believers when you wake up in the morning or when you run through your day and you're finding your heart up and down up and down when you're sitting there on the couch at the end why am i so blue why is my heart so upset? Why are your things so bad? You're being led by happiness. You're being led by up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. Instead, we need to lead our heart. Get at the back of the... Mo- lead the heart so that our lives respond and as a result of this. David says this, glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Rejoice. Permanent, fixed Joy at the cross of Jesus Christ. Seek the Lord, find joy. Seek the Lord, find joy. And notice that it's in the seeking of the Lord that brings the joy. It isn't in the, I have completely found the Lord, and therefore I have joy. No, it's the pursuit of joy. Joy is found even in just the seeking of him in the pursuit of him. A.W. Tozer, he was a pastor and a writer. He said that this is a paradox, that we have found God, and yet we still need to pursue him. Does that make sense to you? You found God, yes, new life, but I neal, still need to pursue him. You say, wait a minute, that doesn't make sense. Let me put it this way, okay? Uh, when, when I was in, in university uh, in the States, I, I met my, my wife, Catherine, there, and uh, we began dating and fell in love with her, and, and years passed, I think we might have even been engaged, and we were about to graduate or something like that, and I don't know the story all that well. Uh, <laughs> it's a good story, though, hang on, oh, man. Anyways, <laughs> so her mother, uh, my soon-to-be mother-in-law, lovely woman, she, she phoned me one day and said, listen, I want to surprise my daughter. Uh, she loves you. That's clear. Uh, I, she lives in Seattle at the time. She said, I want to I bring you to Seattle so that she can have, a, you know, like a week and you guys can hang out, you sleep on my couch. It'd be fun. You want to do that? And I was like, yeah, I'd love to see her. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I book off a week from work. And then, and then, you know, I get in the plane, and, she, and, and then I, I fly to Pittsburgh. And actually, Catherine was coming into Pittsburgh at the same time. And so Catherine's mom said, here's the gate she's going to come in. Here's the gate she's going to be at. So, you know, I'm walking through the airport like, oh, here I am. You know, it's kind of hard for, you know, my height to hide. But I'm like, ooh, sneaking around, hiding behind Coke machines. And then I see her, and then I walk up to her. Here I am. <laughs> uh, 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 and I'll tell you this. <laughs> i'll tell you this my heart gets was racing as i got to see her closer and the closer and the closer i got i got to see her i was like yes 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 please see i knew Catherine, but i was pursuing Catherine. that's what the lord wants from us to know of him and the pursuit of him, a daily running after the Lord, a heart that's hungry for him. Bring me closer to you, Lord. Bring me closer. Draw me near to you, Lord. Now, visually, I put together a complicated diagram to explain this to you. This is what it looks like. Here's me. Here's the pathway to Jesus. It's joy. Joy is found in the pursuit of Jesus, in the, not in the arrive at Jesus fully, completely, I'll have him 100% awesome, awesome joy. No, joy is, is, is in the pursuit of Jesus. The closer and the closer I get today, the closer and the closer and closer I get in my life, the more joy I'll have. But I can have joy today if I say today I want to pursue you. But notice this. Let's say I turn my, myself just a little bit and I go off maybe 45 degrees from joy away from Jesus, maybe pursuing other things. I'm leaving joy behind. Do you see what God's word says to you today? That joy is only found in the pursuit of Jesus Christ. Joy is only found at the cross. Pursue the cross. Find Jesus and his grace and his love and his mercy for you, and you're finding joy. You want to live a life of joy? Walk that path every single day of your life. Now Hebrews 12 begins to make sense to us as we read verses like, therefore surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let's lay aside every weight and the things that push us 45 degrees off this path and let us run with endurance the race that's set before us. What does it say next? Looking to Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Eyes on Christ walking day by day is the pathway to joy. And that's why David says in, in verse 11, seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. Go, 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 go. Seek the Lord. Seek his strength. Seek his presence continually. Continually. Day by day by day by day by day, by hour by hour by hour, by, by second by second by second, by minute by minute by minute. Seek him, seek him. And the word for presence is his face. Come right to his face. I'm not satisfied unless I have his face. I don't want to get his voicemail. I don't want to talk to him on the phone. I don't want to send him. I want, his, I want the presence of God. Hungry for him. I'm not satisfied unless I have him. How do I seek the Lord in his presence? One of the greatest ways is this. Pick up his book. Read his book. Seeking the Lord in his word. Run to him in his word. Don't you need this in your life? I need this. I need joy in my life like this. Now, now, now the, diagram, the diagram we could add as well is, is seek the Lord in his strength. So it's not just joy in this way, but strength in this way. So let's turn it off 45 degrees again. I'm going this way, chasing after. Where's my strength? It's gone. Do you see what God's word says to you today? You only find joy, you only find strength in the pursuit of Jesus Christ. I need this today. Don't you? I need this. I need this as I I seek to care for my home and love my wife and care for my kids. I need this this week as school starts. I need this this week to be a pastor in this church. I need this this week. With, maybe you do with, with struggles in your home, with crises that have hit you, a work trial. Maybe as you as you battle a sickness in your ham, in your home. Maybe as you just plain old battle sin in your life. Don't you need this joy? Don't you need this strength? It's found in seeking the Lord. You seek the Lord. So let me ask you this question. If that's plain and clear what God's word says, joy is only found in the pursuit of Christ, strength is only found in the pursuit of Christ, then why in the world would we ever leave that path? What's wrong with us? Why would you walk away from that? Who who would say, hey, do you want a joyless life? Yeah. (laughs) Who would say, hey, do you want to live life like a weakling? Yeah. But why do we do it? Why do we leave the path? I'll tell you why. It's from my heart, probably your heart too. Because we want other things more than we want Jesus. We want to mentally coast. Because I can't stop thinking about dull, temporal satisfactions that last for five seconds. because I don't want to seek him some days. So what do we do? What do we do? You're in that place. I, I look, I, I'm seeing God's, the truth is right there. I know that he is sufficient. I know that only in him there is joy. Only in him is there strength and glory. But I can't put the motor of my heart in the right direction. I can't like lodge a cinder block there so that the motor's straight all the time. It's, it's, it's always turning the boat. So how do I get the heart fixed in the right direction? I I just find myself sliding back into this again and again and again and again and again. What do I do? You're telling me I need to set my mouth to to, to be obedient to him and to seek him. You're telling me I need to set my heart to seek the Lord. So what do I need to do? It's not working. Why isn't it working? The reason why it isn't working is because we're doing something that's equivalent to standing in the desert with a garden hose and wondering why no water's coming out because the water hose is not attached to the source. You know what I'm saying, right? We try to live the Christian life on a daily basis in our own strength, and this is what it comes to. Left apart, left to myself, I don't want to seek the Lord. But here's where the God of mercy and the God of love comes in. I want you to see this, look, at, look again and read the text, and look at David's dependence as he reads this in in these two verses, glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. Here's the truth. The one who calls you to follow him, listen, enables you to follow him also. But when you don't lean to him, you won't be able to follow him. The one you're called to follow enables you to follow him also. Only by his grace, only by his grace can we follow him. Our job is to yield and to trust in him. Our job is to say, help. Please, I can't do this. John Owen, he was a super smart guy. He lived a couple hundred years ago. He said this, we do not have the ability in ourselves to accomplish the least of Christ's tasks. This is the law of grace. When we recognize it's impossible for us to perform a duty in our own strength, we will discover the secret of its accomplishment. But listen, he says this, but alas, so few discover this secret. So few live the Christian life by saying, only can I do it through him. So few live the Christian life saying, apart from him, I can do nothing. If I come disconnected from Jesus Christ daily, I won't be able to live. I won't be able to seek him. I won't be able to trust in him. I won't be able to glorify him. I need him. Jerry Bridges, who's one of my heroes of the faith, he's now with the Lord, rejoicing greatly. He prayed this prayer every morning in his latter days. I want you to see this. Lord, you must enable me to worship you. You must enable me to worship you and commune with you today. Without you, my mind is dead and my heart is stone. Do you know that it's okay to pray this way? Lord, I can't even worship you today. Forget trying to care for my family. Forget trying to be a a, a great employee. Forget trying to go through my quiet. I can't even worship you unless you help me. Unless you dial my heart in to love you, unless you lead me to love you with all that I have, please, God, please help me. Believer, you understand this, don't you? You understand this, that you cannot do this apart from His help. David puts this another way in a psalm that he wrote in Psalm 16. He says, You, you make known to me the path of life, and in your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. But look at you make it known. You do it in me. So please, Do it in me. Because we can't do it apart from the Lord and his grace. But there's a rich truth of the gospel there. When we realize as a believer in Jesus, I can't do it, then God loves that heart and rushes to that heart and takes a hold of the motor and steers it straight and true. And then when my heart is set to worship him and seek him, then my mouth begins to be set and worship him and seek him. And then the third thing that comes is this. You set your mind to set to seek him. Set your mind to seek him. You want to seek the Lord? Then set your mind to seek him. By his grace, by his help, only through his power, apart from him, we can do nothing. Then we set our minds to seek him. The only uh, command in these last two verses comes right at the front in verse 12. Look at, look at the text. Remember, the wondrous works that he has done, his miracles and the judgments he uttered. O offspring of Israel, his servant, children of Jacob, his chosen ones. What's the command? Remember. Which, by the way, is not just a hmm. The Hebrew carries more, more demonstrative to it. Okay? It's not just hmm, it's tell it out loud. It, the idea it gets is when you sit down with your family, you know the extended family, the loud, the, the, the loud family, the cousins and the you know the aunts and the uncles, and you start telling stories. Oh, remember Uncle John when you did that? Ha ha! That's what he's calling us to do. That. Speak it out loud, declare it, remember, remember what he has done. And we're called to remember specifically the wondrous works that the Lord has done. And then he subcategorizes, what are the wondrous works? His miracles is the first thing. Remember, say it out loud, tell it to one another. Remember when God did this? Remember when God did this? Remember his miracles. Remember the Red Sea crossing. Do you guys remember this? Remember the, 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 the plagues upon Egypt? Remember Goliath? Remember when he went down, David? Remember the victories in battle, the sacrifice of Isaac. Remember the falling of Babel. Remember the calling of Abraham. Remember the creation of the heavens and the earth. We're called to remember his miracles. And then he calls them to remember also his judgments. These are statements of law and justice. And notice they're judgments he uttered. They're spoken out things that God declared that were then written down remember his judgments. Remember not only what he has done, but also what he has written down and how he has described himself. Don't forget. Don't forget his judgments. Don't forget it. Read, study, know, love, embrace, and then don't forget his miracles. Don't forget all that he's done for you in your life. Believers in Jesus Christ, this is our call today too. What has God done in my life and who has God described himself to be? This is what God calls us to remember, to set our minds to remember who God is. Why is God calling us to remember things? Well, because I think we suffer from amnesia at times. You know, there's a, a, I kind of coined this thing, but but I think there's a real reality in life around us, something that's called juvenile uh, amnesia. This This is my name for it. This is the universal condition of every child to continually forget what his or her parents have done for them. This condition usually lasts about 20 to 30 years, (laughs) after which time the memory is only partly restored, often after the child has had children of his or her own. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah, you know what I mean, yeah. Let this encourage you parents. They don't remember anything, okay? Why is God calling us to remember? Because we don't remember. Why is God calling us to to set our minds to remember him and to seek him? Because we don't. We get so up and down in the circumstances of life that we just forget. God knows that you're going to forget too. God knows that you're going to forget his good works. God knows that you're going to forget that he's the God he's described himself to be. And so he says, for your benefit, for your good, for your good, Set your mind to remember who I am and what I've done for you. Set your mind to remember that I'm the omnipotent God. I'm the one who created the heavens and the earth. I'm the one who's demonstrated to you in in your life my power. I'm the one who beats the heart that's inside your chest right now, who fills your lungs right now. I'm the one who holds your atomic structure together. I'm the one who gave you life. I'm the one who will remove your life and call you home. I'm the one who gave you your I'm the one who gave you your house. I'm the one who gave you your skills. I'm the one who set the eyes in your head. I'm the one who did these things. I'm the one who provided for you in those ways. I'm the omnipotent God. Remember me. Remember how I've described myself to be. I'm also the omniscient God. I'm the one who knows the way to go. I'm the one who knows perfectly how things operate. I'm the one who created and invented all things, and so I know how things work. Remember that I'm the omnipotent God and the omniscient God, but I'm also the omnipresent God. I'm everywhere. Remember that I'm everywhere. I'm with you right now. I see you in the trial. I see you in the difficulty. I see you in the tears and the heartache and the pain. I was there when you were wandering far from me, and I was there when I captured you and brought you back. I'm there with you, and I will always be there with you. Don't you forget that. Your heart needs to remember that constantly. You know what happens when your heart remembers that and you set your mind? You wake up, like waking up from a nightmare where you're like, oh, man, I'm so glad I'm at home. When your heart remembers who he is, that's right. I don't have to be anxious. I don't have to be fearful. I'm standing on my father's world. He's doing things I can't even understand. And he declares to me that he loves me. And he shows me that he loves me at the cross. We sang this earlier, be thou my vision. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Not be all else to me, save that thou art. Thou my best thought, by day or by night. Waking or sleeping, thy presence my light. They get it. Seek, seek the Lord. Loved ones, in his presence, there's fullness of joy. So listen, let, let's run this the opposite direction. Do you want to live a life with, without joy, without, without strength? Do you want to not seek the Lord in your days? Then here's what you need to do. You need to set your mind to just forget. Just forget what he's done and forget what, he, what, he's, what he's told you he's like. Just forget and walk away from who he is and all that he's done in your life. Just just forget that. Set your mind to do that. Set your heart now to love other things. Turn away and love the world. Love the goods you can get. Love the status you can achieve. Love the other people in your... just, Just go ahead. Set your heart to love those things more than him. And then lastly, set your mouth. Set your mouth to not thank him, not call to him, not call out to him, not tell others. Set your mouth to grumble, to complain, to be quiet, to just chat. But listen, if you want to seek the Lord, by his grace... Set your mouth, set your heart, set your mind to seek him. Because in his presence, there is fullness of joy. May the Lord give our hearts grace to cling to this truth and to seek him continually.